Come on, we all bear the same testimony. No matter where you come from, no matter how long you've been in the church or not been in the church, everybody bears the same testimony. Had it not been for the blood of Jesus Christ, none of us would be here. Paul made it very clear. Such were some of you, but you've been washed, but you've been sanctified, but you've been justified. Everybody needs the blood. Everybody needs the blood. And I'm thankful today that blood is accessible. You can get the blood applied to your life when you repent of your sins and you're baptized in Jesus' name and you're filled with the Holy Ghost. The blood still works. Somebody shout the blood. Clap your hands unto the Lord if you're thankful. honor to this amazing church. Thank you so much for the honor of being here. So thankful that my family is here. If you're able to stand to your feet, we're going to go to Luke chapter 4. Before we get into the word, though, I do want to do something. I want to give honor to Bishop and Sister Gilbert. I love and appreciate this amazing. Come on, church. Thank you, Jesus. There's, there's no adequate way to say thank you for all the years of faithfulness. But I believe every day we can do a little bit and just let them know how grateful we are. And we're going to pray for Sister Gilbert right now. I know that she's having surgery this week. I'm not asking you to get out of your seat. I don't want to bombard her right now. But if you could just stretch your hands this way. I believe in the power of a praying church. The Bible says when Peter was in prison and the enemy was going to kill him, that prayer was, was made without ceasing by the church. I'm telling you, church, there's power in a praying church. Somebody pray right now. God, in the name of Jesus Christ, I know that you are the great physician. We pray right now for Sister Gilbert. God, I'm asking you right now. God, to either heal her heart, God, or guide the hands of the surgeon. We trust you no matter what route you choose to take. But, God, I plead your blood over this precious lady. God, I pray you touch her mind. Let her mind be at ease. God, in the name of Jesus, that you are in control. God, that we will not fear, God, but you're going to see her through. I pray for her husband right now, her family, God, right now in the name of Jesus. Somebody speak the name of Jesus over Sister Gilbert right now. Somebody say in the name of Jesus like you know. That is the greatest name. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now clap your hands if you believe that God is going to take care of it. Amen. Somebody say it's done. Turn to somebody close to you and say, welcome to the greatest church in the entire world. How many people believe this is the greatest church in Denison, Texas? The greatest church in Grayson County. The greatest church in the state of Texas. The greatest church in the United States. The greatest church in North America. The greatest church in the Western Hemisphere. The greatest church on planet Earth. Somebody say, I love my church. Amen. It's more than a t-shirt around here. It's what we mean. Amen. And we want to welcome you to Truth Church. If this is your first time, we know that you're going to be blessed. You're going to be loved. And I pray that something happens today that changes your life forever. But more than anything, I want you to know that you can be a part of this church. And this is a church that you and your family can go to heaven from, which is the most important. 
because this is a church that places an emphasis on teaching the truth of God's word that you can live a life overcoming of sin through the power of his spirit. And so I give honor to this church, to Bishop and Sister Gilbert, give you honor to Pastor and Sister Ginger. I am so thankful for Pastor and Sister Ginger Gilbert. And I am so thankful to see Sister Ginger today. Thank you, Jesus. These are some of my most favorite people in the entire world. I don't believe in flattery. I, I, from a sincere place, I want to say thank you publicly. This is my fifth year in a row preaching here. Thank you. I first preached here in 2017. My wife and I were freshly married now. We've been married for almost seven years. Now we have an almost two-year-old son, Oliver. And I just want to say thank you to this great church. I give honor to my pastor, Pastor Travis Houston. I know that he's no stranger to Truth Church. I give honor to him for allowing me to be here, and I am so thankful. And I wore my shirt today because I love this church too. It's like a second home for me. Amen. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 14. Luke chapter 4 and verse number 14. Bible says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit into Galilee. And there went out a fame of him throughout all the region round about. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified of all. And he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, as his custom was. And he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day, and he stood up for to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah, or in the Old Testament it would be Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and the recovering of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised. I want you to notice something. This is not really what I want to preach to you about, but just notice it when I read it. Jesus was quoting, but he was also fulfilling this scripture. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, and he hath anointed me. But I want you to notice something. The anointing was all about others. The anointing wasn't to brag or to gloat or look at how anointed I am, but he said, true anointing is about others. Preaching the gospel to the poor, the others. To heal the brokenhearted, the others. Deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty them that are bruised, he says, verse 19, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book, gave it to the minister, and he sat down. My title may not make sense right now, but hopefully by the end of this message it does. I want to preach to you on this Sunday morning, the enemy of help. The enemy of help. Before you see it, if you can lift your hands one more time. And would you lift your voice and would you pray like you know the Bible says that the power of death and life are in the tongue. Lord Jesus, we need you. We acknowledge that right now, God, that we cannot do any of this in and of our own selves this is not about our ability this is not about our talents this is not about our ingenuity but God we need the glory of God to fall in this room I pray that there's someone here God that has never been baptized in the name of Jesus or never received the gift of the Holy Ghost speaking in other tongues I pray today you would make it clear that today is the day of salvation God I'm asking you right now to drive out any opposition let the angels of the Lord be present in this room now God I pray that your will would be done in Denison, Texas as it is in heaven 
heaven. We ask you to do what you want to do in this service and somebody shout in Jesus' name. How many people know that when you say that name, you say the name that's above every name? That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess both things in heaven, things in the earth, and things under the earth. No matter where it resides, everything bows at the name of Jesus. So one more time, say in Jesus' name. Say it with authority. Say it with power. Clap your hands up to the Lord if you believe God. Somebody go ahead and lift your voice in advance. Come on, did anybody come with expectation today? Come on, I'm not going to wait to the end of this service. I'm declaring right now, today is my day. <laughs> Somebody go ahead and let your faith out right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I didn't just come to play around. I didn't just come to see or be seen. I'm not here just out of routine, but I'm here because God is going to do something in my life. Come on, one more time, one more time. Clap your hands and lift your voice. Turn to somebody, give them a high five. Say, you look wonderful today and you may be seated. Husbands, that was your chance. If you miss it one more time, turn to somebody close to you and tell them you look wonderful today. Before I get into the message, I do want to echo pastor's remarks and say thank you to this host church for the sacrifice that went into this past weekend of hosting TCYC, or this past week rather. Uh, I know that it was a lot of time, a lot of money, a lot of effort, a lot of energy, but I can tell you from being here at the time I was here, it made an eternal difference. And only eternity is going to reveal everything that happened this week. So thank you. When Jesus stood that day in the synagogue and he asked for the book of Isaiah to be handed to him, he chose to reference his book. And to be specific, he referenced Isaiah chapter 61. The Bible says in Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because he hath anointed me to preach good tidings to the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. To proclaim, Isaiah said, the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. Here's what God can still do in 2022 to appoint unto them that mourn in Zion. To give you beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Now notice he didn't say the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness. He gave you a garment, which means whenever you get ready to put it on, you can put it on. No matter what you're going through, you can put on the garment of praise. No matter what you're up against, you can put on the garment of praise. No matter what you're battling, you can put on 
the garment of praise. One thing that separates praise and worship on this side of heaven is we get to praise in the middle of pain. We get to praise in the middle of trouble. In heaven, there's no more tears and there's no more sorrow. Of course, we're going to worship there. But here, we get to show God, I'm worshiping you in the midst of my trouble. I'm worshiping you in the midst of my dilemma. I'm worshiping you even though I still got tears, even though I'm still sick in my body. The garment of praise. He said that you may be called the trees of righteousness for the planting of the Lord that might be glorified and they shall build the old waste and raise up the former desolations and you shall repair the waste cities and the desolations of many generations. And so this is the text that Jesus chose to read that day. Jesus wanted them to know today the scripture is fulfilled. He said this is the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord was the year of Jubilee. It was celebrated by the Jews every 50 years. And the year of Jubilee was a special year because that was a year of freedom. It meant if you were a slave, you got to go free because it was a year of Jubilee. That means if you had a debt, it was abolished because it was a year of Jubilee. If you needed rest, you got to take this year and rest. Why? Because it was the year of Jubilee. And Jesus wanted them to know when I came I am the jubilee I am the one that can really set you free I am the one that can really wipe away the debt of sin and I am the one that can really give you rest now I didn't necessarily come and today to preach about Jesus to jubilee but I will for just a moment and let you know that the Bible says in Hebrews 13 and 8 that is Jesus Christ the same yesterday today and forever, which means who he was is who he is, and who he is is who he's always going to be, which means if he's ever saved anybody, he can save you. If he's ever healed anybody, he can heal you. If he's ever restored a marriage, he can restore your marriage. If he's ever delivered anybody, he can deliver you. If he's ever broken addictions, he can break yours. We serve the same God, the same God. Somebody shout the same Jesus. And so he stood there that day to let them know that this is, this is a day that the scripture is fulfilled. I am the acceptable year. I am the true jubilee. But when Jesus stood that day, he wasn't just quoting Isaiah. He was fulfilling the words of the prophet Isaiah. But I want you to notice something. There is a slight difference to what Isaiah said and what Jesus said. Isaiah said in Isaiah 61 and 1 that the Messiah would come to open the prison to them that are bound. But when Jesus stood that day, he said it like this. I've come to set at liberty them that are bruised. Both verses deal with the releasing of the imprisoned. But Isaiah called it bound. But Jesus called it bruise. Jesus was not incorrect, nor was he misquoting the prophet, but he was fulfilling the scripture because people in his day and people in our day are bound by a bruise. The Greek word for bruise is throos, which literally means to be broken, to be shattered, or to be smitten. And so Jesus said there are people here in his day and there are people here in our day that you are bound by your bruise. But the problem is 
We don't like to admit that we're bruised. We don't like to admit that we're broken. We don't like to admit that we're hurting. So we have discovered how to hide the bruises. When we are bruised in our natural body, it happens beneath the surface. Sometimes there is discoloration and sometimes there's tenderness in the area. But it's when the blood gets trapped. And so when you're bruised physically, the blood isn't flowing properly. And I have noticed too when you are bruised spiritually, the blood doesn't flow properly. When you're bruised, it's easy to get bitter. It's easy to get jaded. Your perspective gets skewed. And I know from what I felt in prayer that there are people in this room today, you are bruised. Life has hurt you. People have hurt you. Maybe a family member hurt you. Maybe your mistakes or your addiction has hurt you, but no one can tell because like a bruise, it's beneath the surface. You're trying to act like everything's okay. You see, in 2020, the whole world started wearing a mask because of a pandemic. But reality is we've been wearing masks for a long time. You just couldn't see them. That's why people can be on the verge of falling apart. And we mastered the mass of strength when really we're weak. We mastered the mass of I'm okay when really we're falling apart. Somebody asks you, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. I'm anointed and appointed. This is my season. Hallelujah. There's a shift in the atmosphere when really you cried yourself to sleep last night. You thought about not even coming this morning because you said, what's the use? I'm so bruised. I'm so broken. But the world we live in has put in this pressure on you that you got to be strong and you got to have it all together. So instead of revealing where we really are, we hide behind this mask of, I'm okay. I want you to hear me today, church. It is okay to not be okay, but it's not okay to not be okay and act like you're okay. I'm telling you, this is a place where you can get help. I want you to know it doesn't matter how good somebody looks today. I don't care how nice their suit is. On the inside, we've all been broken. We've all been bruised, and it's by the grace of God that we're here. I want you to know the presence of God is not a place for pretending. It's a place for transparency. The writer of Hebrews said it like this in Hebrews chapter 4. For we have not a high priest which cannot, that's a double negative, which makes it a positive. What he's saying is we do have a high priest which can be touched with the feelings of our infirmities. That's just a fancy word for weaknesses. He said we serve a high priest that is moved by our weakness. Why is this so important? Because when you understand who you serve, it changes how you approach him. When you get a revelation of who he is, it changes how you approach him. Because the next verse says this, therefore, because you know you serve a God that's moved by your weakness, I want you to know this, therefore, you can come boldly to the throne. Why? To find help and grace in your time of need. you got to understand who you're serving. You're not just serving a God. You're serving your Father. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 8. We've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, this is not just a master and a slave. Oh, no, this is a God and a Father, and we are his children. 
Somebody needs to know who you serve today. You're a son and a daughter of God. That doesn't just give you authority. That gives you a relationship. So he said, when you understand who you serve, it changes your approach. I want you to know today, church, church, your hope and your help is only in Jesus Christ. But the first step to getting help is admitting that we need it and then asking for it. I'm not here to paint a sad song. I know sometimes life is great. I'm sure not all of us today are in the valley. But the reality of it is there are people who are today here in the valley. And there are people who are here today and you're confused. And there are people who are here today and you're looking for answers. And and sometimes you come to church and everything is great. But sometimes you come to church like the lady in Matthew chapter 15 and verse 25. The Bible said, then she came and worshiped him. But she didn't just worship him. She said, Lord, help me. I want you to know that even a worshiper needs help sometimes. Sometimes you lift your hands because everything's great. But sometimes you're lifting your hands because you're saying, Jesus, I need help today. Jesus, I'm confused. Jesus, I'm broken. Jesus, my family's going crazy. Jesus, help me. Now, here's what's amazing. This lady, she came to Jesus two verses prior to this with a need. And the Bible says that he answered her not a word, but she didn't get offended. She said, oh, I know what I need to do. I need to ask for help because that gets his attention. And three verses later, after asking for help, this is what Jesus told her. He said, oh, woman. You have great faith. I'm telling you, it takes great faith to be real with God and say, I need help. I'm not here today because I got it all together. I'm here today because I need something from God that man cannot give me. I'm not here today because I got it all figured out. I'm here today because I know I serve a God who can help me, but he's waiting on you to stop pretending and stop masquerading and take that mask off. Don't be a hypocrite. Let God know I need help. I'm struggling. I'm confused. I don't know what's going on. I'm tired. Help me. Somebody lift your hands right now and do that. Somebody needs to lift your voice right now and say, Jesus, help me. Be seated for just a moment. Sometimes you're going to worship in the midst of confusion. Sometimes you're going to worship in the midst of hell. Sometimes you're going to worship in the midst of pain. Sometimes you're going to worship and be accompanied by worry. But I'm letting you know that doesn't make you wrong. That makes you human. You don't have to act all strong and independent. You don't have to act all like you got it all together sometimes. I'm telling you there are sometimes you may barely make it in the door. But the best place for your problems and the best place for your questions and the best place for your struggles is the presence of God. You can bring in your package. You can bring in your worry. You don't have to be ashamed of it. I want to preach to somebody, Jesus is not afraid of your questions, of your situation. 
I want to help somebody right now. There's not an addiction that scares Jesus. There's not a problem that intimidates him. But the enemy, hear me, the enemy of help is acting like you don't need it. The first step to receiving something from God is you got to admit that you need it, number one. And number two, you got to have enough faith to ask for it. The Bible still says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open. Can I tell you what the Bible says? It's the plan of salvation. You got to repent. You got to be baptized in Jesus' name and you're going to receive the Holy Ghost. But the first step. It's repentance. You know what repentance is? Yes, it's a turning away, but it's a plea. God, would you forgive me of my sins? Repentance is I'm acknowledging that I need something from God. The first step to being whole is to admit you're not whole. The first step to being free is to admit you're not free. I've come against that spirit right now that tries to tell you you don't want to let anybody know when you roll that you're struggling. I'm telling you the enemy will try to get you to fake it till you make it. But if you do that, you'll miss your miracle and you'll miss your healing. There's got to be somebody that says, I'm not worried about my neighbor. I want Jesus to know I need help. I need help. I need help. Somebody shout help. You see it. But the way humanity is wired is instead of asking for help, we hide it. We don't want to admit that we're tired. We don't want to admit that we're struggling. We don't want to admit that we're hurting. So we hide it. This goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve, they were broken. They were bruised because of a choice they made. The Bible says that they did exactly what God told them not to do. And the longer I live, the more I discover humanity is good at that. Of doing what God tells us not to do. We've all done it. But Genesis 3, the Bible says that they did exactly what God told them not to do. And the Bible says in Genesis 3 and 7, and the eyes of them were both open, and they knew they were naked. And this was this was their attempt to cover up their mistakes. They sewed fig leaves together and they made themselves an apron. Now the fig tree is the third tree mentioned in scripture. Figs were symbolic of abundance and prosperity. So Adam and Eve, in their mistake, are trying to hide behind their prosperity, their abundance, their blessing. But the Bible says in verse number 8, that they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord. Hear me. This is what sin and condemnation does. You have to notice there are two responses to sin. You either feel condemnation or you feel conviction. Condemnation pushes. Conviction draws. 
Condemnation pushes you away from God. You're so ashamed. You don't, you don't want to show your face. Conviction draws you to God and says, look, you're better than that. You can do better than this. Con condemnation pushes you away from God, but conviction pulls you in close. I'm telling you, the greatest form of mercy is conviction. It doesn't let you die in your sin. It pulls on you. Come on, you're better than that. You can do better than this. Come on, I created you to be more than that. That's conviction. But Adam and Eve are hiding from the very God that can help them. Now, there's so much in this verse that if you just read right through it, you may miss it. But I want to show you a couple things. Number one, Adam and Eve made the mistake, but God still showed up. Now, they didn't show up, but God still showed up. Because I've learned, 1 Timothy 1 tells us, even when we're not faithful, God is still faithful. I'm preaching to somebody, Jesus has not given up on you. You may have given up on you, but God's not given up on you. He's right here. He's right here. So he, not only did God show up, he comes walking. He didn't come running. He wasn't angry. He wasn't there to smite or to kill. But he came walking as his custom was because he was looking to have fellowship with Adam and Eve. And then the Bible says he asked a question. Adam, where are you? Now, we must understand that God doesn't ask questions because he needs an answer. Because he knows all things. God asks us questions to give us understanding. He wanted Adam to know. I know exactly where you're at. But I want you to know where you're at. So he says, Adam, where are you? Adam says, well, we hid because we were naked. And God said, who told you that? And Adam said, oh, it's my wife's fault. <laughs> Not much has changed. And the woman said, oh, no, it's the devil's fault. And so God says, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take care of the enemy. There's always going to be a battle. You're going to have a bruised heel, but he's going to have a bruised head. But here's what is so powerful. God calls them and says, listen, step number one to you being whole is you've got to get out of the trees. You've got to stop hiding. Because the fig leaves that you've designed to cover your mistake, they're never going to work. So God says, I want you to know, I got this coat of skin because there was a sacrifice made, a sinless sacrifice. And I know that sacrifice didn't do anything wrong, but that's what makes it a sacrifice. It was innocent and there was bloodshed. And I want you to know the big leaves, they're not going to make it, but I got you a covering. But the first step to embracing the covering is you got to come out from the hiding and you got to expose yourself and say, this is who I I really am and you're going to find out God's sacrifice is not afraid of your struggle Jesus has come today to Denison, Texas, and he's crying out, where are you? Where are you? You're hiding, but God wants you to know he's got a covering for you. Somebody lift your hands in this room. 
God will not heal what you hide. But if you can admit, I need help. God is quick and just to give it. Be seated for just a moment. I'm going to preach for a few more minutes. Is that okay? Luke chapter 18. The Bible says that Jesus is coming into town. And there's a man that's sitting on the side of the road. He's got two issues. Number one, he's broke. And if you've ever been broke, you know that's a real issue to have. There ain't much more depressing than being broke. When you broke, everything is worse. Everything gets on your nerves. Everything breaks. It's just life just seems, it gets so tense when you broke. So Bartimaeus is sitting on the side of the road, and he's broke. But the Bible also says that he's blind. And so he can't see. And then all of a sudden, Bartimaeus hears this commotion. And so though he can't see, he can hear. And so he turns to his friends and he says, what's all this commotion about? And he said, oh, Jesus. Jesus is here. And so Bartimaeus, he gets a revelation. I know I'm sitting on the side of this road and I'm blind and I'm begging, but this is my moment in the presence of Jesus. And so the Bible says, without any instruction, he goes, Oh, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And do you know, people had the nerve to say, Shh. But you know who was telling him to be quiet? The people who had two good eyes. Who didn't need a miracle. It's easy to try to shh somebody when you don't need a miracle. But I'm telling you when you're desperate. And you know if I don't get something from Jesus. I'm going to always be like this. you got to look at them and say I'm not being quiet because I need a miracle. And so the Bible says he said it louder. Jesus thou son of David. Have mercy on me. I want to know, is there anybody that came today that needs a miracle? Can I tell you, Jesus don't respond to needs. He responds to faith. Who's got enough faith to say, Jesus, it's me. It's me. It's me. If you're going to give somebody a miracle, give it to me. But here's what Jesus does. This is amazing. This stuff you'll just miss if you just casually redo it. The Bible says Jesus stopped and he called and said, Go get him. Here's what I know. Brother Jonathan, if Bartimaeus would have stayed quiet, Jesus would have kept walking. Because Jesus don't respond to needs. You know how I know he don't respond to needs? Because there's a lady in the gospel who had an issue for 12 years. 
Bible says she went to every doctor and she was no better but she grew worse and you know what she would have still been sick but the Bible says she had enough faith to get on the floor crawl and touch the hem of his garment and she made Jesus ask the question who touched me you know there was something about her faith that she literally pulled her miracle out before Jesus could acknowledge her before Jesus could say something most miracles happens because Jesus touches people but that miracle happened because she touched Jesus she didn't ask she said oh no I'm desperate I'm desperate I'm desperate somebody has got to get desperate God is not going to respond to a need but I'm telling you faith moves God so Jesus he stops because he was going to pass him up and he says go get him come here sir Bartimaeus this is Bartimaeus now this is amazing to me because Jesus was God manifested in the flesh. He knows all things. And Jesus goes to Bartimaeus and says, what would you like me to do for you? I mean, I know you're the Messiah, but duh. There's revelation in this because Bartimaeus had two issues. He was broke, and he was blind. The first issue, anybody can help. Just drop by, drop, drop a 20. If you're real generous, drop a 100. And guess what? He ain't broke no more. But there was another issue that only Jesus can deal with. And Jesus wanted Bartimaeus to make the decision. You want me to deal with the issue that everybody can see on the surface? Oh, I got a headache. Oh, I just need prayer. Are you willing to be transparent and say, Jesus, this is what's really going on. I'm blind. I'm blind. I'm telling you, Jesus is in this room today, and he's walking by people, and he's saying, what do you need? And you can sit there and fake it and act like you got it all together, or you can say, oh, no, Jesus, I need you to help my marriage. I need you to touch my mind. I need you to touch my children. I'm not going to sit here and act like I got it all together, because if I do, I'll miss my miracle. But I'm telling you, if you can get radical and say, it's me, it's it's me. I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You can have a miracle, but the enemy of hell, Pastor, is acting like we don't need it. I'm okay. So I've seen people sit through a service, sit through a message. I have been in the pulpit before, and I knew God giving me a specific word for a specific person, but I didn't feel the release to go tell them, and I've seen them sit there and put their mask on and act like everything's okay. They clap at the right time. They lift their hands at the right time. They even so good, they shed a little tear at the right time, but the reality is they walk out of the back doors, and they never get a miracle because they're afraid to admit they're bruised. I'm telling you, the reason the enemy works so hard to get you to fake it, to sit there in silence, is because he knows there's something about the nature of God when his children begin to cry out, Oh, God, I need you. God is going to respond. The Bible says it like this. 
if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more your Father, which is in heaven. I'm telling you right now, there's not a day goes by that my son doesn't holler my name and say, Daddy, sometimes he needs me. Sometimes he just wants to see me. Sometimes he just wants me to hold him. But I don't look at him and say, no. You know why? Because of our relationship. I love him. That's my son. And every baby in here could cry. But if he starts crying, I immediately know that's my son. Why? Because we have a relationship. And I'm not going to be mean and hateful to him and say, oh, no, you can figure it out. Oh, no, you can do it. No, because I'm his father. I am apt to help him. And I want to preach to somebody today. You serve a God that wants to help you. I didn't send this to the media team. Don't worry about putting it on the screen. But 1 Peter chapter 5 says this in verse number 6. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due times. But then verse number 7 says this. It says, cast your care upon him. Why? 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 Why is it so important that we cast our care upon God? Because he careth for you. The word cast literally means, come here, I don't mean to be disrespectful, but the word cast literally means to take it off and to throw it. He's saying throw your troubles at Jesus. Throw your problems at Jesus. Why? Because he cared for you. But it's no coincidence that the next verse says this, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. But I'll tell you who he can't devour. Somebody that's learned how to cast their cares upon Jesus. Somebody that's learned how to say, I'm not trying to act like I got it all together, but I'm trusting Jesus. I'm trusting Jesus. I need Jesus. Somebody lift your voice and cry out to it. I want to preach to somebody. Jesus is not afraid of your depression. Jesus is not afraid of your suicidal thoughts. Jesus is not afraid of your anxiety. Jesus is not afraid of your identity crisis. Jesus is not afraid of your struggles. Jesus is not afraid of your bruises. But I've learned that Jesus doesn't come in uninvited. There has to be an acknowledgement and a step of faith. That's why the Bible says in the book of Revelation, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if any man will let me in, I will come and I will sup with him. I will have fellowship. God is waiting on the invitation. It is no coincidence, Brother Arnett, that he said that. To the church that said this, we're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing. But Jesus said, oh, no, here's the real truth. You're wretched and you're naked. It's not the will of God that you come to church and pretend like you're rich and increased with good and have need of nothing. When you do that, you identify with the church of Laodicea. We need God. Genesis 27, there's a man by the name of Jacob who's a liar and he's a deceiver. 
the Bible says his father was getting ready to die and he was going to bless his oldest son with an inheritance. And his mother overhears the plan and says, Jacob, I want you to go out and get your father some goat and I want you to bring it in because he's getting ready to bless Esau. So Jacob says, well, there's just one problem. I'm a smooth man and Esau is a hairy man. So she says, okay, I'm going to take care of that. So she goes and she gets these coats of skins and she puts it on Jacob. And so Jacob steps into his presence of his father pretending to be somebody else. Masquerading. That's where the original word hypocrite comes from. It's ancient Roman theater where they would hold these masks in front of their face pretend to be somebody they weren't. That's a true hypocrite. So Jacob goes into the presence of his father. Brother Jordan, he's pretending to be like Esau. And his father says this. Who are you? Identify yourself. And he said, oh, I'm Esau. And his father goes, well, that's funny. Because you sound like Jacob. But you feel like Esau. Because you can't always trust what you feel. You got to go by what you're hearing. But his father was deceived when he listened to his feelings. He said, oh, no, 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 no. Feel, feel. I'm Esau. So the Bible says he steals a blessing, pretending to be something he wasn't. But five chapters later, same man, the Bible says he was left alone with a man, an angel, theophany, whatever it was. And the Bible said they wrestled till day. And then something happens. Jacob hears a familiar question. Who are you? Identify yourself. And for the first time in his life, Jacob makes a decision. I gotta stop pretending. I gotta stop being fake. Because Jacob wasn't just his name, it was his identity. He was a liar, he was a deceiver, and his whole life he'd been living under the guise of deception. And so Jacob makes a decision to be real for the first time. And he looks at that supernatural being. It's wrestling with him. And he says, I can't hide it any longer. My name is Jacob. And here is how God responds to transparency. He said, your name is no longer going to be called Jacob. But from this moment on, because you're willing to be transparent, I am going to be transformational. Your name is going to be Israel. And here is what happened. When Jacob was willing to reveal his true identity, God was willing to reveal his new identity. But it all started when somebody decided to be real with God. I'm telling you, it's not the will of God that you hide your pain, that you hide your questions. Somebody has got to come to the altar and say, this is me. I'm Jacob. I'm struggling. I want you to stand to your feet all over the house. The enemy 
The enemy of help is acting like you don't need it. And I feel like Jesus today, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. God has sent me here today. This is not what I wanted to preach, but I didn't come with just some sermon or some nice message, but I'm telling you, God has sent me here with a word from somebody today that he wants to liberate those that are bruised. He knows about your family situations. He knows about your struggles. He knows about your questions. He knows that you're weary. He knows that you're tired. He knows that you're hurting. He knows you've been dealing with anxiety. He knows you can't sleep at night, but I'm telling you, he came by here today and he told me to let you know you don't have to be afraid to give him your problems the Old Testament says it like this pastor Psalm 46 and 1 God he's a refuge he's a safe place that you can run but more than that He's a very present help in a time of trouble. How are you more present than present? How is somebody very present? Here's what I believe. God is present before you need him to be present. He's just waiting on an acknowledgement that says, God, I need help. I need help. I need help. I'm telling you, God is here in this room today to help somebody. But you gotta admit that you need it. You gotta admit that you're struggling. You gotta admit. That's your bruise. I want every hand to be lifted. Somebody right now, there's a leader in this room. You're tired. There's a leader in this room. You're weary. You're trying to be strong. But I'm telling you today, God is coming to pour back into this church. He taught Oboko Shataya. I'm telling you, you're going to leave today feeling more refreshed than you have in months. The presence of God it's still the place of refreshing. Come on, God, lift your hands. God's about to pour back in to this local church. There's a mama here that needs to stop acting like you're okay and let God know I'm struggling. There's a dad here. You need to stop pretending and get real with God and say, I need help. Here's what we're going to do going to have to be vulnerable and you're going to have to be transparent but if you're in this room and you need help at all I want you to come I'm telling you right now in this moment God wants to put families together there's marriages that are on the fringes that you got to stop trying to impress everybody else and you got to come fall down at the feet of Jesus and let him know God I need you God does not respond to needs. He responds to faith. Where's the faith of the woman in Matthew 15 that says, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. Somebody needs to lift your voice right now. I need the prayer words right now to help me pray. 
There's strength coming right now. I need every leader in this church to be in the altar right now. God is going to give you strength. Come on, lift your voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. God knows where you're at. Come on, God sees you. Lift your hands. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. I know you're hurting. I know. I know. But Jesus is saying, come unto me, all you that are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Come on, there needs to be some marriages that are crying out right now. I need help. I need help. I need help. I need help. Come on. Heaven is responding. Heaven is responding. Somebody lift your voice. Come on, church. Jesus is here right now. He's scanning. He's looking. Who is it that needs it? Come on, Bartimaeus. This is not the time to be quiet. You need to be real with God. You need to let God into your real problem. I'm blind. Somebody needs to lift your voice. Don't miss your miracle. Come on, young people, lift your voice, lift your hands. Come on, help me right now. God is stepping into this building. Somebody needs to let him in. Somebody needs to let the wall down. Somebody needs to take the facade down. Somebody needs to rip the mask off and let Jesus in to your situation. If you're not praying for yourself, I want you to turn and lay hands on somebody. Come on, ministry is in this room. God has come to restore virtue to this local church in the name of Jesus. Right now, link up with somebody. In the name of Jesus, let the angels of the Lord now be loosened in this room. Come on, husband. Link up with another husband. Come on, mom. Link up with another mother. You don't have to act like you have it all together. Paul said, when I am weak, that's when I'm strong. In the name of Jesus. Come on, I don't need you to quit right now. We're coming up against weariness right now in the name of Jesus. I cannot get away from it. There are many people in this room. You're weary. You're tired. Your hands are heavy. But right now, God wants to breathe fresh strength into your life. Come on, if you're a leader in this church, I need you to be praying right now. God's going to help you. God's going to restore you. Somebody pray in the Holy Ghost. Somebody lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost.
share one more thing with you. I can have your attention for just a moment. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, used interchangeably in the Bible. But its purpose is more than just salvific purposes or for salvation. That's your introduction to it. But the Spirit does so much more than just that. What makes the Spirit of God so amazing is it dwells in us. The Bible would be replete with telling us that it would dwell in us. The reason that that is so powerful is it's with us everywhere we go. Now, the Bible warns us that the Antichrist would do its best to wear out the saints of the Most High God. But the Bible tells us that the Spirit of God gives us rest. Rest is the antidote to weariness. You rest in his presence. But in John chapter 14, Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go away. His time on earth in a human body was coming to a close. John 14. He says, but I am not going to leave you comfortless. I'm going to give you another comfort." What do you mean another? Because in those 33 years, he was their comforter that they could look to and lean to. But Jesus said, I'm going to give you another comforter. He said, and that is the Holy Ghost. John 14, 12. And then it says again in verse 26. But what's amazing is the Greek word for comforter is paraclete or parakletos. Which means one that is summoned to one side. Also, it's a helper. Which means there's something intrinsically woven in the Spirit of God that wants to help you. And the Bible says that is just the earnest of our inheritance. 
God puts his spirit in you. And it creates this magnetic draw to a heavenly world. It was supposed to create this directional change where you know where your help comes from. And there's something about the spirit more than just the speaking of the tongues. Yes, the Bible tells us that will happen. Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16 and 19. We see repeatedly people receiving the Holy Ghost. But it's so much more than that. It is also to help you. Because life is going to throw everything at you that it can. And I'm looking at people that you're tired and you're weary and you're battered and you're bruised. But the greatest help we have is the Spirit of God. And here is how we're going to close out this service. I want everybody, if you can, to stand to your feet. Because he, I felt a specific assignment today that God sent me here for the people of this church who are weary who are heavy laden who are bruised who are confused and God told me his spirit is going to help you and the reason that is so important is God wants to flow through you to help somebody else there's still a work to be done in this city. Hear me, people in here today that are battled with addictions. There's people out there that need your example, that they can overcome that same addiction. Come on, there's marriages out there that need to know that Jesus can still put a marriage back together. I said there's families out there that need to know Jesus can repair the breach of a broken family. Come on, there's young people in your school that need to know that Jesus can help them. So here's what we're going to do. I want you to lift your hands. I'm going to pray, and there's going to be an outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Come on, I want you to get ready. It's going to pour out in this building. Come on, if you want it, you can have it. And God, through his spirit, is going to strengthen you. When I say in the name of Jesus, I want you to lift your voice and begin to pray and allow the Holy Ghost to touch you afresh. Lord Jesus, right now, upon the authority of your word and by the power of the name of Jesus, I pray that there would be a release and an outpouring of the Holy Ghost just like in Acts chapter 2 in Denison, Texas. Let it bring strength into this local assembly. Now, in the name of Jesus, lift your voice and receive it. In the name of Jesus. Come on, that's it. Lift your voice. God's giving you strength right now. Come on, that's it, Pastor. Lift your voice. God, right now, supernatural strength. That's it, Sister Ginger, right now. Come on, church. It's pouring out. It's pouring out. It's pouring out in the name of Jesus. There is help in the Spirit. Come on, that's it. Go, 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 go. 
Come on, God's helping you right now. God's helping you right now. This isn't about everybody else. This is about you. God is reciprocating it now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Receive it. Receive it. Receive it. Come on, that's it. Cry out. Lift your voice. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on, the enemy thought you were defeated, but you're resurrecting the day. Come on, in the name of Jesus. I feel like Ezekiel standing in the valley of the dry bones. The wind of the Spirit is blowing, and people are coming back. You're getting your strength back. You're getting your faith back. You're getting your hunger back. Come on, bone is connected to bone, and sinew on sinew. Come on, there's an exceeding great army. We're not done. God's not finished. Come on, God is helping in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Church, I'm not trying to belabor the point, but I feel so much faith in this room right now. There's some of you, you thought it was over. You thought you missed it. You thought you messed it up. But God has come, and he's asking you, where are you? God has not given up on you. Your ministry is not over. The plans that God has for you is not over. You just got to reach out and ask for help today. I'm going to close with this and I'm done. Please indulge me for a moment, but I just got to follow what I feel. When Brother Darren asked me to preach today, it wasn't long after. And I don't usually operate like this. Usually I don't know what I'm going to preach until I get to a place. But I knew immediately. My wife said, do you know what you're preaching this week? I said, I've known all week. Because God dealt very specifically with me. Because God did not just send me here today with a word for this church. But I believe God sent me even more specifically with a word for Pastor and Sister Gilbert. Because here's what I know. Burdens are heavy. And the longer you carry it, it's not that the burden gets heavy. It's that as mere mortals, we get weary. Because the Bible never tells us to not get weary. It says don't get weary. And well-doing. 
In other words, don't get so weary you stop praying. So weary you stop worshiping. But it never says to not get weary. But he gave us a promise through the Old Testament prophet that there is a rest where the weary can find rest. He said with stammering lips and another tongue, I'm going to speak to my people. And I've come today, Brother Darren and Sister Ginger, to let you know. I know the load is heavy. And I know you're tired. And I don't know anybody that's going through more in the last three years than what this family has gone through. But I'm telling you, they're standing here today by the grace of God. And I know they're tired. But I'm telling you, God has sent me on a mission today that before they leave, they're going to be strengthened in the name of Jesus. Brother Darren, I want you to take Sister Ginger by the hand. I don't want everybody to crowd around them, but I want you to shut your hands this way. God is supernaturally about to do something in this family. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now you respond to their cry. They're tired. They're weary. But God, you're not done doing what you want to do. I plead your blood over them now. I pray for fresh anointing for Pastor Darren. I pray that he can hear your voice more clearly. I pray for fresh anointing for Sister Ginger. I pray that you would strengthen their marriage, bless their children. God, I pray when he steps behind the pulpit, it would be clear. It would be clarity. You would let him speak what thus saith the Lord. Come on, church, lift your voice and pray in the Holy Ghost. 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 Come on, I see fresh oil flowing right now. I see fresh oil. You've been hungry for it, Pastor, and it's coming. Rams of the prophetic, rams of anointing that you dreamed of, that you thought for just for others. But right now, I see oil flowing into this family. I see a speaker being turned on, and there's fresh oil. right now the oil the oil of the Holy Ghost the oil is flowing 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 somebody lift your hands and lift your voice come on somebody seek after him while he may be found Somebody seek after the Lord while he may be found. Come on, somebody respond right now. Seek after him. Uh,
Come on, let's lift our voices one more time. Come on, all across the building, would you lift your voices to him? Would you lift your hands to him? Just surrender to him one more time all across this building. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you, Jesus, for your word today. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, oh Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Jesus, thank you, Jesus, for your word. Come on, would you thank him right now? Would you truly give him thanks right now? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your word, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for your word. Thank you for your rest, Lord. Thank you for your rest, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Brother Galloway, for being sensitive to the Holy Ghost today and preaching the word of the Lord to us. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God. Isn't God good? He's good all the time. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord today. Please greet one another. Greet our, our youth pastor evangelist from Bogalusa, Louisiana, and his wife and his sweet son, Oliver. Greet them. Remember this week. Remember this week. is first Wednesday. Be here on Wednesday night. Don't forget to be here on Wednesday night. And also make plans to go to Summit. Go to Summit. They'll put that on the screen here in a moment. Put it in your calendar. Do whatever you can to be at least one night of Summit. God bless you.